0: Hi, welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. This is Episode 7 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Starting with Chapter 2, The Mystery of Contentment. But you will object What you speak of is very good, if we could attain to it. But is it possible for anyone to attain to this? It is possible, if you get skill in the art of it. You may attain to it, and it will prove to be not such a difficult thing either, if you but understand the mystery of it. There are many things that men do in their callings, that if a countryman comes and sees, he thinks it is a mighty hard thing and that he should never be able to do it. But that is because he does not understand the art of it. There is a twist of the hand by which you may do it with ease. Now that is the business of this book, to open to you the art and mystery of contentment. There is a great mystery and art in what way a Christian comes to contentment. By what has been already opened to you, there will appear some mystery and art, as that a man should be content with his affliction, and yet thoroughly sensible of his affliction too. To be thoroughly sensible of an affliction, and to endeavor to remove it by all lawful means, and yet to be content. There is a mystery in that. How to join these two together? To be sensible of an affliction as much as a man or woman who is not content. I am sensible of it as fully they, and I seek ways to be delivered from it as well as they. And yet still my heart abides content. That is, I say, a mystery that is very hard for a carnal heart to understand. But grace teaches such a mixture, teaches us how to make a mixture of sorrow and a mixture of joy together, and that makes contentment, the mingling of joy and sorrow, of gracious joy and gracious sorrow together. Grace teaches us how to moderate and to order an affliction so that there shall be a sense of it, and yet for all that, contentment under it. There are several things for opening the mystery of contentment. Number one. The first thing is to show that there is a great mystery in it. It may be said of one who is contented in a Christian way that he is the most contented man in the world and yet the most unsatisfied man in the world. These two together must needs be mysterious. I say, a contented man, just as he is the most contented, so he is the most unsatisfied man in the world. You never learn the mystery of contentment unless it may be said of you that, just as you are the most contented man, so you are also the most unsatisfied man in the world. You will say, how is that? A man who has learned the art of contentment is the most contented with any low condition that he has in the world, and yet he cannot be satisfied with the enjoyment of all the world. He is contented if he has but a crust, but bread and water, that is, if God disposes of him for the things of the world, to have but bread and water for his present condition he can be satisfied with God's disposal in that. Yet, if God should give unto him kingdoms and empires, all the world to rule, if he should give it to him for his portion, he would not be satisfied with that. Here is the mystery of it. Though his heart is so enlarged that the enjoyment Of all the world and ten thousand worlds cannot satisfy him for his portion, yet he has a heart quieted under God's disposal if he gives him but bread and water. To join these two together must needs be a great art and mystery. Though he is contented with God in a little, yet those things that would content other men will not content him. The men of the world seek after wealth and think, if they had thus much and thus much, they would be content. They do not aim at great things. But if I had, perhaps some man thinks, "Mm, only two or three hundred a year, then I should be well enough. If I had but a hundred a year or a thousand a year, says another, then I should be satisfied. But a gracious heart says that if he had ten hundred thousand times so much a year, it would not satisfy him. If he had the quintessence of all the excellences of all the creatures in the world, it could not satisfy him. And yet this man can sing and be merry and joyful when he has only a crust of bread and a little water in the world. Surely religion is a great mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness, not only in the doctrinal part of it, but in the practical part of it also. Godliness teaches us this mystery, not to be satisfied with all the world for our portion, and yet to be content with the meanest condition in which we are. When Luther was sent great gifts by dukes and princes, he refused them, and he says, I did vehemently protest that God should not put me off so, tis not that which will content me. A little in the world will content a Christian for his passage. Mark, here lies the mystery of it. A little in the world will content a Christian for his passage, but all the world, and ten thousand times more, will not content a Christian for his portion. A carnal heart will be content with these things of the world for his portion, and that is the difference between a carnal heart and a gracious heart. But a gracious heart says, Lord, Do with me what you will for my passage through this world. I will be content with that, but I cannot be content with all the world for my portion. So there is the mystery of true contentment. A contented man, though he is most contented with the least things in the world, yet he is the most dissatisfied man that lives in the world. A soul that is capable of God can be filled with nothing else but God. Nothing but God can fill a soul that is capable of God. Though a gracious heart knows that it is capable of God and was made for God, carnal hearts think without reference to God. But a gracious heart being enlarged to be capable of God and enjoying somewhat of him can be filled by nothing in the world. It must only be God himself. Therefore, you will observe that whatever God may give to a gracious heart, a heart that is godly, unless he gives himself, it will not do. A godly heart will not only have the mercy, but the God of that mercy as well. And then, a little matter is enough in the world, so be it, he has the God of the mercy, which he enjoys. In Philippians four seven nine, 9, I need go no further to show clear scripture for this. Compare verse 7 with verse 9, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace of God shall keep your hearts. Then in verse 9, Those things which ye have both learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The peace of God shall keep you, and the God of peace shall be with you. Here is what I would observe from this text, that the peace of God is not enough to a gracious heart, except it may have the God of that peace. A carnal heart could be satisfied if he might but have outward peace. Though it is not the peace of God, peace in the state and his trading would satisfy him. But mark how a godly heart goes beyond a carnal. All outward peace is not enough. I must have the peace of God. But suppose you have the peace of God. Will that not Quiet you? No, I must have the God of peace. As the peace of God, so the God of peace. That is, I must enjoy that God who gives me the peace. I must have the cause as well as the effect. I must see from whence my peace comes and enjoy the fountain of my peace as well as the stream of my peace. And so, in other mercies, have I health from God? I must have the God of my health to be my portion, or else I am not satisfied. It is not life, but the God of my life. It is not riches, but the God of those riches that I must have. The God of my preservation, as well as my preservation. A gracious heart is not satisfied without this, to have the God of the mercy as well as the mercy. In Psalm seventy-three twenty-five, Whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee? There is nothing in heaven or earth that can satisfy me but yourself. If God gave you not only earth, but heaven, that you should rule over sun, moon, and stars, and have the rule over the highest of the sons of men, it would not be enough to satisfy you unless you had God himself. There lies the first mystery of contentment, and truly a contented man, though he is the most contented man in the world, is the most dissatisfied man in the world. That is, those things that will satisfy the world will not satisfy him. This concludes Episode 7 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.